God bless the city of Rock Hill. Rock Hill is such a special place. You're going to know Rock Hill from more than Football City USA. Pathways, Indoor Center, Knowledge Park. It's just a wonderful time to be in Rock Hill right now. The city of Rock Hill is one of the only destinations that fully gets it. It builds world-class venues that are better than anywhere in the United States. Hello and welcome into the Rock Hill CityCast. My name is Matthew Cray. To my right, Ashley Studebaker. Thank you for joining us today in... At the table with us today, we have what I'm going to describe as a community all-star, uh, <laughs> Sam Foster, uh, joining us. Sam, how's it going? Fine. Um, nice to be here. Absolutely. Sam, we usually get started with some fun questions, but we get we have so much to dive into with you that I think it's probably just smart uh, to hop right in. You know, this is a Rock Hill podcast. Um, what brought you in your life to Rock Hill? I grew up in Chester, and after getting out of the military and teaching in Chester for three years, I moved to Rock Hill. By that time, I had married. I was living uh, at home uh, with my mother, my wife and I, and it was really time to do something else and most importantly also i made a bit more money moving to rock hill <laughs> cool well uh as you said you grew up in chester um t- tell us what that was like what what was life like for you from when you were born to when you left for the military interesting question um I grew up uh, in Chester. I'm, I was born in 1932, so that has to tell you something. And I generally say that I represent two eras of South Carolina history mm. and consequently can reflect in some measure on both because as I grew up, we were a completely segregated community and never evolved out of that, really, until after uh, I moved away from Chester. And I um, went to a small Baptist college down in Sumter, South Carolina. And one of my interests in going to college was that folks used to say, boy, if you want to be somebody, you better get yourself some education. So when I went away for the first time, really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I just wanted to be somebody. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to Morris College. Um, I probably should back up a moment to tell you how I got to Morris because I had no money, no scholarship. I left home going to what was my choice in an institution Allen University in Columbia, South Carolina. And I thought that if someone gave me an opportunity, I was a pretty good athlete and that uh, I could play for somebody. Mm. So I left home with $10 and a bus ticket. Was given an opportunity to go out for the team, but I had gotten mixed up on the starting time and I was two, two weeks late getting there. 
but the coach issued me a uniform, uh, gave me a try at the team, and called me in one day and said, son, I like your spirit, I like your guts, but I don't have anything to offer you. But if you can manage to stay here this year, I can come up with some help for you next year. Well, at that time, we didn't even have a phone at my house. So I called the neighbors and got my mom, uh, who I tell everybody were it not for that lady, God knows where I'd be. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, I got my mom, and when I told her the situation, she said, my Lord, Sam, I'll be down to Columbia tomorrow. Now, I don't know where she got the resources to get there, but she got a bus, came to Columbia the next day, and we sat out on the campus of Allen University and talked. And her original home was Sumter, and Morris College was in Sumter. She was familiar with it. And she said, Sam, do you want to go to Morris College over in Sumter? And I said, Mom, I don't care where I go as long as I go. We went to the bus station, waited on a bus, which were much more frequent at the time, went to Sumter, had a new coach at Morris College who hadn't had an opportunity to do much recruiting, welcomed me to come out for the team, and I stayed there four years. And a week following my graduation, uh, I got my greetings to go into the military. And I had just interviewed for a, a teaching job, but then I says, well, it's best for me to get this obligation out of the way because I had uh, been getting deferments in the meantime. And the last one I got myself, I just wrote and said, uh, gave them the graduation date and said, any time after that I'll be ready. Because back then, at least I thought, and many young men thought, that every guy who was 18 years old and physically capable had that as an obligation. So I felt I needed to get that little obligation out of the way, and then I could make some decisions. Spending most of my military time in Europe uh, and Following my tenure there, I uh, came back, was discharged at Fort Jackson in Columbia, and was offered a teaching job in Chester. And I told the principal, and my major was elementary education, I told him that uh, I was really interested, but teachers really don't make any money. And I just, I, I, I may have to do something else. Well, when I talked to my mom about it, uh, who was a teacher, she didn't suggest that I do it, but I could tell she'd really like it if I did. And I thought about that bird in the hand being better than ten in the bushes, and well, maybe until I really decide what I want to do, I maybe ought to do this. So I took the teaching job, stayed there for three years, 
and in the meantime, got married, had a young son, and we moved to Rock Hill in 1958. And of course, I've been here ever since. So you mentioned the coach in Columbia, um, you know, referred to your spirit and your guts, which like when we read on just your life and your backstory kind of sums up a lot of you, your spirit and your guts. So can you kind of just touch on that and maybe even, you know, reference when you got that call to go in the military, what were your feelings? Well, um, I wasn't surprised about the call to go into the military. I was expecting it at some point. But um, I um, have always been the kind of guy and that I thought given an opportunity, I could achieve something, you know. Like the old folks, I wanted to be somebody and I could perhaps be somebody if I worked at it. And that was sort of my personal approach to doing whatever it was that I was doing. Even in the military, I had a first sergeant over in Germany who was from South Carolina, a Sergeant King. And he, um, when it was time for me to come back to rotate to the States, he said, Sam, now you, uh, you know, the next couple of months, you'll be up for promotion. And you know you can get it. And so you ought to think about that. And I told him I would, I thought about it. And then I went to him and I said, Sarge, I think I'm gonna go back home. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, uh, that's how I got started in, in the teaching profession and not expecting to necessarily stay there. But I ought to give you a little background as to why I majored in ele elementary education. My elementary background was so poor that a part of my ambition was to become a principal of an elementary school so that I could help provide a better education for kids than somebody provided for me. Uh, when I got to the sixth grade, um, the teacher, Mrs. Finley, whose husband was the principal of the high school there in, Rock, in uh, Chester, she was my teacher, and that lady kept me in every day <laughs> because I didn't know something, because I didn't finish something. But she had her demands, and I had to try to meet them. But that was the beginning of my, I guess, getting started, becoming oriented to really uh, the academia uh, that was appropriate. I had a few excellent teachers in high school. Um, one lady taught me English, Miss McMullen, about 5'2". Never heard the lady raise her voice. And she even taught veterans who came back from World War II. And if they got a little disruptive, she'd just simply say, now gentlemen, please. Uh, I'd hate to have to remove adults from my classroom. Mm. 
So sure enough, uh, she was demanding. I played football, I played basketball, I, I, I was pretty athletic. And I'd go and she'd be standing at the door waiting on that assignment. And I'd say, Miss McMullen, uh, I didn't have time. I didn't get home from practice until late. And I didn't have time to do it. And she's one of the few people in my life that's called me Samuel. She said, that's all right, Samuel. You just run right on down to the library. And whenever you get it, you can come to class. <laughs> so, she, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, no, that's, yeah, fine. That, that's, that's a story that I like to tell because even as I became an administrator in Rock Hill, I had a school superintendent here at one point to call me in when we were heading into integration. Black and white principals had begun to meet together for meetings and with the superintendent. And he called me and uh, I was in my first principalship out at Fairfield Elementary School. Asked me to come by the office that evening and uh, I went down and he said, uh, Professor, he called the black guys Professor, he called the white guys by their names. Mm. So he said, Professor, uh, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit because before too long, we are probably going to have to have some black principals in an elementary school and what have you, or somebody here in the district office. And I just wanted you to know that I've been looking at you. So uh, keep that in mind. But I was going to mention a couple of things to you. He said something about a hitch in my speech that would be typical for some, as he said it, some redneck to criticize. And when he finished, I really didn't know what he was talking about, so I didn't respond. So the next thing he said I wanted to mention to you is in our principal's meetings, when you express yourself, you always seem to be searching for the 25 cents word when the 10 cents word would do. Now, I know I use a little slang and whatnot, uh, maybe too much, but that's, I wanted to mention that. I said, Mr. White, I'm not searching for anything. What you see in me as I express myself is what I've been taught. And I try to do that all the time, as best I can. Now that came from Miss McMullen. <laughs> I try to do that as best I can. And sure enough, I had a French teacher back then who was a great lady. And while I was in Europe, uh, visited a, a French home once and cited the first three or four lines of the Lord's Prayer that I had learned back at high school. And they said, where did you get that from? You know, uh, but I, and I told them, of course. But that also helped to frame 
my position on education and learning uh, too important in a youngster's life to play with. And that was the kind of spirit that I uh, uh, chose to carry as I grew into public education and ultimately to become principal, the first principal of Northwestern High School. Yeah. So you talked a lot about your your education background. You talked about the having the bird in one hand is better than ten in the bush. When did you decide that you loved uh, teaching? Well, I always had an affinity for teaching. Uh, my mom taught in a two-room school. And occasionally, when I got up in high school, occasionally if she was ill or some, there was some problem, I might go out and sub for her. And it was a real disciplined atmosphere. She had grades one through five, one through, I think she had one through four, and the other lady had five and six. And those kids, it's a rural school, those kids had gotten loud, made the fire, and was ready to go. And they were organized to the degree that the big kids worked with the little kids, and it all worked very well. Well, uh, <clears throat> that was an intriguing to me as well. And so once I... Uh, uh, got it, got uh, through college and did my student teaching. I have to tell this story because I had a dedicated lady who was director of, of uh, student uh, teaching, and she was really tough. And I was the only guy in the classroom. Most of the guys were majoring in phys ed and various other things and used to uh, kid me about being in elementary. Well, I, uh, uh, she was so tough that some of the females in the class referred to me as the teacher's pet because if she didn't like it, she gave it back. And I was not in the practice of doing stuff over and over again. <laughs> so when I sat down, I tried to do what, she, what I thought she wanted so I wouldn't have to fool with it anymore. And sure enough, I had uh, my senior year, I did my student teaching in Sumter largely because I, I couldn't go and in, go in board anywhere else. I stayed in the dormitory and went to work every day to do my student teaching. And she visited me in my class uh, twice and later called me in and said, Mr. Foster, with the problems that you have, I thought you did really well with your student teaching. As a matter of fact, I was surprised. So I, I needed to tell you that and we talked about my problem. Now, what was my problem? I told you I went to school with nothing, literally. Mm -hmm. I, owed, I was gonna owe, it was either four or $500 before I could graduate. 
And my mom says, don't worry about it, Sam. I'll get it. And so I, I said, okay, mom. But talking to Miss Tucker, she said, well, listen, with the problem you've got, I'm going to help you with it so that you can go on and get out without any problems. And I sat there and I said, Miss Tucker, if you do that, uh, you surely won't have to worry about me paying you back. She said, if I were worried about that, I wouldn't let you have it to start with. <laughs> so sure enough, um, I went into the military shortly after graduating and I sent her something every month out of my pay until I paid off what I owed her. And so I was real happy to be able to take that burden off of my mom. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's interesting to say that I got a communication from a local lady recently who was from who was from Chester and I had told her a story about my some of my growing up and she mentioned that in the communication that she gave me and she wrote me because it had been published that I was going to be on the Freedom Walk of Fame and <clears throat> she uh told me the story. The story was that my mom dealt with the People's Bank in Chester where her father was the CEO. And I was in and out of that bank with my mom many, many times. And I remember I'd be home for a weekend from school and um, mom go to the bank and Mr. White I know I've got a note here, but Sam's here this weekend and I got to give him a little money to go back. So I need uh, to get a little money. He said, what you need, Katie? And we, he said, well, okay, yeah, we can do that. And when he retired, he said, Katie, you know I'm getting ready to retire. And Phelps Brooks is going to take over the bank. So come on, let me take you around here and introduce you to Phelps. And my mom and I walked around there and he said, Phelps, uh, I brought Katie around here to talk to you about her. Katie is a good customer of this bank. And Katie is a good woman. So after I leave here, take care of you know, What more can you ask for? You know, and I, I get a little emotional sometimes when I tell those kinds of stories because I see such anxiety, such meanness, uh, and I don't know where it comes from because I wasn't taught that way, never felt that way. <laughs> And so, you know, it's just, uh, and particularly now with uh, where I thought that we had 
perhaps overcome some measures of deprivation as a society that uh, now it seems like we want to go back in the other direction mm. to me. Okay. And I, I was reading an article um, kind of just where you referenced, um, or well, it was more so speaking on your accomplishments and just how monumental you truly are here in the community. And you referenced you were just taught not to hate. And sure. even though, you know, you had these obstacles, that's kind of what you carried along with you. Even the obstacles that I'm sure you faced becoming the first principle of Northwestern. You were taught not to hate, and that's kind of what you carried along with you. And probably a good part of the reason why you are here today and what you've accomplished so far, and you mentioned a Freedom Walkway local hero. Well, uh, I consider Northwestern uh, becoming principal there the highlight of my educational career because when it opened, that was the second complete year of integration in town. And my student body was 70% white and 30% black, mm. which sort of reflected the ratio of the community. And I didn't have any fear in attempting to do that because I had always felt that I could work with any kids if I just had the opportunity. And sure enough, I discovered that that's the case. I learned that kids really don't care about what you look like. They care about what you do. <laughs> they care about whether you like them or not, whether you provide a safe and learning atmosphere for them. And at the same time, uh, that they can have a little fun while they're there. So. I uh, established some great relationships with kids. Uh, while I was out there, we sent several kids to Duke. While I was there, Duke University recruited Northwestern for a while. And I remember one student, Sue Frederick, was the valedictorian of her class. Her father was a local physician. And she went to Duke and had another guy, Francis Rivers, who graduated out there in the same year that one of my sons did. Francis went to, went to Duke, and they just made a, made a mark up there. And the last time I saw Sue Frederick, for example, was when her father passed. And I went to the graveside service, met uh, saw Sue once again with her husband who was an outstanding speci specialist <laughs> in medicine. She was a physician and they had two children there with them. And I had a chance to meet the kids and to express our relationship somewhat, you know, and Sue was a cheerleader, uh, very active and everything. So um, kids really don't care um, what you look like. They care about what's provided for them and whether you are sensitive to their needs. I, I have to tell you one story about one guy. 
a guy who should have been, who could have been the valedictorian of his class, he was one of the only kids in the whole building would, that would put his hands on me, you know, because I was, I was kind of no nonsense, not kind of. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, in the morning when they're milling around before uh, going to class, uh, I'd walk upstairs. He'd walk over to me and put his hand on my shoulder. And the other guys are just laughing, you know. And when I, I say, guys, you better come get him before he gets himself in trouble over here. And he says, how about I just want to be nice to you this morning? Well, here's a guy who left Northwestern at the end of the first semester, his senior year. And I happened to see him out on a construction job. And I called his name and I said, what in the world are you doing out here? He said, Mr. Foster, uh, I got all my credits. I've been accepted to Clemson. And I just thought I'd get out and, and uh, start getting ready to go to school. Oh, I really got on him uh, really hard. And he says, oh, come on now, Mr. Foster. You sound like my parents. <laughs> well, his mom used to refer to me as his second father almost sometimes. We had that kind of relationship. Well, standing there talking to an 18-year-old, and I got on him so hard, this tear came down his face. And he says, if you want to know why I'm not out there, I'll tell you why I'm not out there. If you were still out there, I'd be there. But that man that they replaced you with, I absolutely hate him, and I stayed as long as I could. Well, when I turned away, I had to grab my hanky because, mm. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's tragic, mm. tragic. And he, of course, happened to have been white. So, yeah. <laughs> it really don't matter to the kids. <laughs> yeah. What were some of the challenges that you faced, whether at Emmett Scott as principal or at Northwestern? At uh, Emmett Scott, you got some interesting questions. <laughs> uh, Emmett Scott is what got me associated with high school. My major was elementary education. I had no desire uh, to do secondary education. When Larry White left here as superintendent, um, Jeff Savage and, well, I can't think of his name, they brought in a superintendent and he brought Jeff Savage with him and I had moved from Fairfield School to Sunset Park, which was really the biggest elementary school in town because it was one through eight. And Proctor, Dr. Proctor called me. He had an earned doctorate. He called me and uh, asked me 
about going to Emmett Scott for the last two years. Uh, and I told him that I didn't have any interest in it. Uh, I didn't have any, any high school orientation, or orientation, and I really wasn't interested. He said, okay, Sam. Well, two weeks later, he, carried, he, he called me back and said, Sam, we really need you to go to Emmett Scott for the last two years. And I'll tell you what I'll do. If you go to Emmett Scott for the last two years, we're going to have to have somebody here in the district office. And if you want a job down here, you can have it. If you want to go back to elementary, you know, we're building that new high school, York Road, out on Highway 5. You can go back to elementary. Or you can follow the route to the new high school. And that's how I really got to Northwestern. And I chose to follow that route simply because I felt like black kids that I dealt with needed some images too. Mm. And I knew had I not gone, that wouldn't have been the case. So I, uh, I went ahead and, and chose the Northwestern route. And it worked out fine, and Dr. Proctor left Rock Hill after a couple of years. And he was a guy who graduated from Florida State was football player, uh, had a, was a first draft choice of the Cleveland Browns, where I had to ask him why in the, why in the world did he turn that down. And here again, he said, well, Sam, interestingly enough, I always wanted to get a doctorate. And I talked to some of the coaches that I respect and admire and talked it around and several of them told me, says, well, you can go to the pros and break a leg and that ends your career. If you choose to follow the route of getting your doctorate and whatnot, you got that for a lifetime. And I never have forgotten that. And so sure enough, he left and became president of Flagler College in, uh, in Florida. Well, Jeff Savage then ascended to the superintendency. He was aware of the promise that had been made. But I'll share this with you because uh, when the time came for Northwestern was under construction, I was the principal at uh, Sullivan uh, junior, senior high school, they called it, because I, the first 10th graders that were there would be the first graduating class at Northwestern. Superintendent called me in one day and said, uh, Sam, uh, Northwestern is getting ready out there, and I'm going to recommend you as the principal. But you know the board just like I do. And 
what I don't want is if we don't win, I don't want to tear up the school district over it. And I was sitting in front of his desk like this, and I didn't respond. And he mentioned it at least two more times. I don't want to tear up the school district over this. Well, I didn't say anything. When he finally finished, I said, well, okay, Mr. Savage, thank you. And I left. And on my way to my car, quite frankly, I said to myself, what do I care if you don't treat me right, okay? Because I knew that I was probably more qualified to become the principal than anybody in Rocky Hill except the principal who was already at Rocky Hill High. And so I, I just wasn't prepared to, to yield on that. And I was not, re, uh, not prepared to respond because I felt if I had said, oh no, I love the school district. I don't want to tear, the school district, uh, tear up the school district. I love the place. He might've said to the board, well, I'm going to recommend Sam to you, but if you don't select him, then, you know, I don't think Sam will be that upset. Well, I wasn't going to give him an opportunity to make that kind of statement. Uh, I left him with the fact that he didn't know what I'd do. So, and ultimately went to Northwestern without a single problem. No negative publicity, no anything. And as a matter of fact, when I was named principal, the superintendent said, well, Sam, we're going to have to do a little publicity on this. I says, fine, Mr. Savage. The only thing that I'm really not interested in is I just, just say that I was chosen to be the principal of Northwestern. I don't want first black. Mm. I don't want uh, first of this caliber in South Carolina. I don't want just say that I've been named the principal and that'd be fine with me. He said, well, that's what you want, fine, okay. And that's essentially the way it was published. And um, I, I just, you know, I, for kids, all I wanted to be was somebody who identified with them, they identified with me and we had a relationship that was good for them. And my purposes really didn't matter, you know, except to provide an atmosphere where they could learn and grow. And uh, some kids graduated out of there and have done very well. Uh, matter of fact, one of them is my orthopedist. Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill City Cast. Episodes are available each week to stream on SoundCloud, Google, and Apple Podcasts. To keep up with City of Rock Hill information, follow us on social media.